There we go. Are we going? Are we cooking? Yeah, we're going. Lovely. Hello. Hello, Welcome to... (laughs) We're here. We're live. We're doing it. Welcome to (laughs) the episode we've all been waiting for. Like a prayer of true review. You're here with Nick Welburn and... Eric, sakely. <laughs> I thought you were just going to do the, uh, <laughs> mono, the, the mono name of just Cher, Madonna, Eric. <laughs> the three icons we know them to be. <laughs> so um, thanks for joining us again. We're now two continents apart. That's yeah. yeah. I mean, so we're not last... two continents apart. That doesn't really make sense. <laughs> we're an ocean apart. We are on two different continents. We are two continents apart, though. You know, that'd be like me being in Australia, then Asia and Europe separate me, then you're in North America. But anyway, that's a technicality. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Anyways, um, last week we were practicing for my uh, grand departure mm. uh, to Canada for the holidays. And now I think we've sort of got the hang of not being in the same room as each other. So I'm I love it and I'm joking. that this episode will go so much more smoothly on my own personal, emotional end of things. Oh. To be fair, I think like sound quality wise, we should have been in separate rooms long ago. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, you know what we're learning. And yeah. um uh I also want to say that we did not mention once in our last episode when we were discussing True Blue that that album was our podcast namesake so good on us almost embarrassing that we didn't so embarrassing just do people get the very cleverest pun though True Blue True Review I have faith that our listeners are pretty smart yeah (laughs) it makes no sense once we leave Madonna but there you go what did we decide about true blue i think ultimately the singles did a lot of the heavy lifting but very happy it exists and it cemented madonna as the capital i icon that we know her as yeah and i you know i think we both came to the conclusion that we both really liked the album um but at least for me personally i have been Dying to get to oh. uh, today's episode because I've been this dying to... for me is where Madonna becomes really oh. Madonna. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, well, I've been dying for this album, yeah, but I've been dying for the, like the next seven week uh, sequence that this album begins because, yeah. as I said last week, there's not a single song I skip in the next six albums. Yeah, well, eight albums really, but we'll get onto our other opinions about the 2010 albums later on. <laughs> um, but Less of this dilly-dallying. Eric, do you have a top three Madonna tracks for me this week? I do. Um, one of them is a constant from last week, and mm-hmm. it's fitting because um, it's on uh, today's um, album discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dear Jesse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll get that. to my we'll get to my opinions about that song when we get to the track list. Um, my other two have got to be uh, Justify My Love and Erotica. Wow, you're um, staying really in the Shep um, wheelhouse this week. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm just like, I'm excited for like a prayer today, but I am, <laughs> I think I've also been like mentally preparing myself for Erotica 
mm. for the last four weeks. Um, and I know it's, I know it's coming. I know it's imminent. <laughs> and I think I subconsciously chose my top three this week based on that. What are yours, Nicholas? Eric, we're so close of out of getting out of the 80s. We've nearly made it. Um, so it, so I think I got weirdly emotional, and you can attest to this, of writing up the notes for the actual song Like a Prayer this week. And I just oh, think yeah. it goes without saying that <laughs> Like a Prayer is just, we'll get onto this later, but it's just, it's just, it is the greatest song that's ever been made. <laughs> yeah. And it, it seems unreasonable to not include it at least once <laughs> in our top threes <laughs> throughout okay. this season. So let's put yeah. Like a Prayer there. You can persecute me for that one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a lyric from like a prayer, but hey ho. Um, you know what? Call me uh, nostalgic for the last month, but I'm going to put everybody from the debut album in there. Oh, and um, cute. right. And um, I made a specific um, bath playlist that consisted solely of Madonna tracks this week. And um, love tried to welcome me from bedtime stories. Really hit. While I was um, soaking my bubbles this week, so that's another thing I'm going to put in there. I love that for you. Thank you. Thank you very much. It means a lot. Um, Madonna's not really been doing this much this week, so um, no. I've posed a slightly different question to you this week, uh, Eric. Mm. What's your favourite Madonna... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did that so well. The four one. candidates are secrets. Or Ray of Lights. Mm. <laughs> or Frozen. Ray of Lights doesn't have a mm. uh, You know what I was thinking of? Ray of Lights Frozen. <laughs> or Frozen. Frozen has the mm. Yeah, categorically. Um, don't tell me's hmm, which I've discovered is the. Yeah, see, I wouldn't have got that. Or Isaac's. <laughs> there is like. No distinction between any For of those. For those in the know, they were all <laughs> very distinct. <laughs> um, okay. Quite an odd episode to be, you know, ranking our favorite Madonna mms, um, considering that she didn't really start mming until the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'll take it. Um, I love her mms. I must say, uh, Frozen is um, the iconic mm. Um <laughs> It's the number one. Mm, yes. I, I'll definitely have to say, because I just, I absolutely adore this song, Secret. I think that was, yeah, that was in my top three in our first yeah. episode. Um, that would be my second favorite Madonna. Mm. Um, third, Isaac for sure. And Don't Tell Me Last, because I didn't even, like, I wasn't even aware that Don't Tell Me was considered um, oh my God, to have the iconic mm. music stand, and you've just thrown it aside. No, I, I mean, it's a great song, don't get me wrong, but I've never thought of it as being one of Madonna's mm songs. 
I'm sure we're missing another mm, but you know what? We'll get onto that at another point. But I'll anyway. counter your argument to why we're discussing her <laughs> this week. Right. Because I think mean. this is the first album where we see um, serious Madonna, you know? We've had ballads ah. before, but we've uh, not had um, sit down, be serious, I'm in my 30s Madonna now. All right, but all right. Enough of this context. Let's get into the proper historical information if you're ready, Eric. Yes. So, Like a Prayer, released March 21st, 1989, following the tepid response to Who's That Girl soundtrack, her Broadway debut, which I didn't know happened, Speed the Plow, and her, you know, and her divorce to Sean Penn in January 1989. Um, yeah. Bizarrely, in the eighties, it's it came from quite a like low point. Well, comparatively low point for a pop icon um, <laughs> at this moment in time. And because of Eric's rules, we're not doing soundtracks on this uh, podcast. But I think sorry, not sorry. Um, editing note here. Put in a little snippet of "Who's That Girl" for the audience. One, it's a great pop song, but two, I can very much see the critics' note of it being a kind of no-brainer continuation of the kind of not even the true blue mold. It felt very much like a like a virgin soundscape, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and not at all what was about to come from like a prayer. But uh, yeah, quite a low point. Was, I don't think the world was quite ready for what was to come. Oh yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, similar to True Blue, uh, Madonna wrote or co-produced all these songs. Uh, she noted it was a collection of songs about my mother, my father, and bonds with my family, which is interesting for what I would categorize as an absolute divorce album, but there you go. I would um, counter your opinion there. Yeah? Yeah. But we can like get into that. We can get into <laughs> that after. <laughs> I suppose the divorce facilitated the discussions around the family itself, but there you go. Um, the album was supported by the Blonde Ambition Tour, named oh. by a lot of publications, specifically Q Magazine, as the most iconic pop tour of all time. Okay, and I think little, little side note here. Sorry, yeah. If you have not seen the Blonde Ambition Tour. Which is actually included in her um, absolutely indispensable Truth or Dare uh, oh. documentary. You mm. need to go watch that after this episode because... Uh, don't even finish this episode. I mean, still like and rate. <laughs> pause this episode, come back to us later and watch it on YouTube. Not that it I support. <laughs> genuinely one of the most revolutionary concert tours of all time. And I think, you know... I think this album and that tour, this era of Madonna in general, and we're obviously gonna get into this a bit more later on, but mm. it, it really just did change pop music forever. I think more so mm. than any mm. of her previous albums or mm. uh, album eras. Um, you know, the type of things that you would expect from a pop concert today really you know, go back 
to Blonde Ambition. Oh, completely. Like um, the storytelling in it, the like mm-hmm. hinging around one iconic costume after one iconic costume, the mm-hmm. kind of um, just the absolute dominance and power that like she radiated just from like <laughs> and being even just in you know the room. overall the overall setup concepts theatrics like you said costumes um it was just you know for the time it was a spectacle it wasn't you know your standard rock concert you know mm. Mm. and like special shout out to the gautier um iconic coon bra oh, which yeah. cannot go <laughs> understated oh, as like yeah. a part of madonna's iconography um but yeah Um, What else I think is particularly of note is Madonna turning 30 as she recorded this. And contemporaneously, I think a lot of people were also seeing her as in inverted commas and with like the largest eye roll, I hope you understand, audience, of like seeing her as uh, wanting to paint her as already over the hill. Um, But I think also tying with like the family relationship she already wanted to like reiterate through that she really related to that age as the uh, mm. age her mother died too and i think that really permeates through songs like uh oh father weirdly enough but like yeah. promise to try specifically but also like through the other less explicit yeah. ones like like a prayer etc um but yeah but like also it is, I think it just permeates through every single thing Madonna does, but we'll get onto that in later albums. Yeah. It's another example of like Madonna setting the way and trailblazing for not only female artists, but like pop stars who have reached the like cultural zeitgeist and zenith of like where to go to next. And yep. for 20 years, Madonna blazed a way of like, no, no, you can just do something very fucking weird and Mm -hmm. still like continue to prosper. Anyway. Yeah. See, we love this album so much. We've already like (laughs) gone through five different uh, crossroads. Anyway. um, What I find mind blowing is Madonna and Pat wrote this album over a two week period. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just what? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah, this is some of her best songwriting to date. Mm, mm, mm. And she strikes me as always someone as like, if inspiration strikes, then it really, really strikes, similar to yeah. how she wrote Into the Groove in like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, very much strikes me as a woman on a mission. Um, cover art uh, shot again by Herb Ritz, iconic cover after iconic cover. Mm-hmm. I saw it as a reference to Rolling Stone's Sticky Fingers, but you saw another reference? Uh, yeah, I, I saw Bruce Springsteen. Mm, thanks for that. Um, I'm very, what, very what, what's, what's that album I'm thinking of? Sorry, I'm not a... Um, it's Born in the USA, isn't it? Born in the USA. I think you're right. I mean, I, I still will check that before we... I'm not a huge Springsteen <laughs> fan. I respect him. It is Born in the USA, although it's his rear uh, that is displayed on the cover. But, Has you know, Madonna been outvaunched? That is... <laughs> I mean, it, it, com- comparable nonetheless. So, what I think is particularly um, heartbreaking, heartwarming, and the reason why I go to Bat Madonna for so much is that before, like, main mass media adopted kind of LGBTQIA um, advocacy as a kind of 
obvious thing to do or a kind of safe thing to do or a thing that they kind of feel comfortable enough in doing. Um, Madonna was putting AIDS um, educational materials in the um, album artwork, the album um, leaflets, the album... What do I mean? The CD tray. <laughs> yeah. 89... Uh, the pan the pandemic is in like peak flow. No one is like um, listening to their gay community, least mm. of all Reagan and uh, Bush. Mm. Um, people are scared to touch gay people at this moment in time. People mm-hmm. are scared to be in the same room as gay people. Yeah. Uh, this was years before Princess Diana like walked through an AIDS ward and she was like seen as some sort of um, yeah. hero. Um, and Madonna was there. She was on the dance floor with them. She was there fighting with them and she was actively taking steps to assist in her own special way. But um, yeah. My voice is cracking, so I'm getting emotional. But hey, and no. we'll um, we'll get we'll get to um one of the later songs on hmm. the album when we're discussing the track list. Um, we'll dive into that a little bit more. Absolutely. And finally, in Madonna's own words, this the songs in this album intertwine her search for her faith with her search for her mother, which I just think mm. is the most <laughs> heartbreaking thing. <laughs> So, next up, let's just discuss how do we even possibly condense this into a short section, but general group feelings on the album. (laughs) I mean, I think the fact that we've already spent, like, nearly 20 minutes (laughs) discussing just, you know, the context behind this album is an explanation in itself. Mm, Um, Compared, you know... As much as I like her debut and as much as I like True Blue, don't need to mention like a virgin. Um, good, good. This album to many is the defining Madonna album. Yeah. Um, I will say, I think, you know, I think my favorites change quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, but, at the end of the day, this is my second favorite Madonna album wow. of all time. And I'm one of those people who will say that she doesn't just have one magnum opus. She has oh. a couple, even a That's bunch. That's the B of Madonna, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, but to many, this is her magnum opus. And yeah. it, you know, like going back to what you were saying, um, how the album intertwined her search for faith with with her search for a mother and it's about familial ties and you know you mentioned being it being a divorce album this is her most introspective lyrically personal confessional album to date and i i think you know the first three albums that we discussed to me are all kind of of the same ilk in a way um, you know, even though, you know, some are way better than others, <laughs> I think they all kind of follow, followed a little bit of the same formula. And Like a Prayer is the first album we get from Madonna. And it's fitting that it's the fourth album um, mm. that, you know, it, it it feels more than just a pop album. It feels like, oh. Oh. <laughs> a, you know, a thought-provoking provo- symbolic work of art it's definitely 
a marked step up from like the previous works in terms mm-hmm. of like this is an album. It's not a collection of singles, then album tracks yeah. of varying quality. This feels like a body of work. Yeah. Um 100%. and I think I've said this before, but it's it felt like the other three albums were Madonna doing what was popular at the time very, very well, and obviously through the Madonna lens. But this felt like she was controlling the cultural conversation at that moment in time, mm-hmm. and she was bending the zeitgeist to what she wanted to do. And that what she wanted to do was obviously one of the best pop albums of all time, but she, I think she willed this being popular, <laughs> and I don't think anyone else could have released this album apart from Madonna. Throughout historical context, throughout kind of 80s, 90s, noughties, 10s, or whatever, or yeah, it was unique, uniquely born out of its time, out of like Madonna being there, Pat being there, and them living through those experiences and also just having the like natural inclination to being pop experts. And it's just, mm. we're so lucky to have like <laughs> experienced it. God, what am I talking about? But it's just, yeah. I, I, I agree. I think you could easily say it was her best album and it'd be difficult to argue against it, even though mm-hmm. I, I'd give a valiant effort to. But um, it feels like the birth of serious Madonna and she'd stopped like winking at the audience and allowed people in much more. Well, oh, Eric, well. <laughs> are we ready to dive into the greatest pop song that's ever been made? You stole the words mm-hmm. right out of my mouth. There we go. Like a prayer. say about this song (laughs) (laughs) i think it's like you start off an album with this song and you almost expect it to go so downhill immediately after because it's just so fucking good yeah but then the album you know maybe this still is the best song on the album but it doesn't ever really dip in quality and that is remarkable hmm. um i think this is you said this is the best song ever made i say that this is the best pop song of all time yeah um it's it's just absolutely incredible i know you have a lot to say on this so i'll let you speak first <laughs> well so i was literally having like anxiety of how to like present this how what do we do so i think the best thing to do is to give it its proper historical context and just some information about the formation of it and then we just kind of (laughs) babble about how much the song means to us (laughs) so first of all if you don't know this song i don't want you listen to this podcast (laughs) you must be living under a rock or on a different planet if you don't know this song though (laughs) what i didn't know though was madonna wrote this in three hours and the vocal that was used for it was the first take. Yeah, that's <laughs> <What>? absolutely <laughs> fucking legendary. <laughs> and you hear a lot of pop girls being like, oh yeah, this is my first take, it was fine. And <laughs> you can tell it was the first take. But um, <laughs> this, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. It's just, oh, anyway. 
And just a lot of this episode is just going to be me being like stuttering over my amazement over Madonna. But <laughs> you know, we we're four weeks in. You're along for the journey now, audience. Um, <laughs> I think what was particularly like heartwarming is when Darlene Lutz tried to auction off the original demo of Like a Prayer. Uh, Pat Leonard bought it himself immediately to save the integrity of the recording. And I just think that's so cute. I think what Pat and Madonna had was so special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, do I prefer other creative partnerships Madonna has musically? Yes. I think uh, her and Shep and her and Merways are like mm-hmm. some of the most exciting musical partnerships of all time. But from like sincere musical like bonds and like um, affection that they hold towards each other, I think Pat is like Madonna's like well, I rule, but like musical soulmate in a way. And they, I think they just instinctively get each other. And I think there's still, bizarrely for like past collaborators of Madonna, there's still like a lot of affection there between the two. And I, before we get into like the nitty gritty of the discussing the song, I don't, I think we can't, it would be a miss to not discuss the music video. Oh, oh yeah. Yes, the execution of it isn't absolutely like 2020 secure <laughs> and it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, probably wouldn't, it wouldn't fall under a 2020 lens, but for what it did and what she was aiming to do in 1989, are you kidding me? Yeah. And, um, the fact that it led to Pepsi cancelling Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, honestly, like, if you have never seen the Like a Prayer music video, go watch that now. Oh. Oh. That, that is an absolute order. I presume. <laughs> Um, people learn to count to 10, they learn to say the word mum, then they watch the Like a Prayer video. Is that not true? Um, What's a bit of a um, giggle is uh, the Pepsi commercial for Like a Prayer premiered the day before the video premiered. Mm. And it's like Madonna dancing with just some children drinking Pepsi. (laughs) (laughs) And they had like no idea what was to come. And then it premiered and they're like, no, 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 no. Fuck's sake. We don't have the last laugh though, Pepsi... um, Sponsored her was... Super Bowl performance twenty years later. Well, I mean, yeah, they're probably looking back and you know shaking their heads at themselves. <laughs> but you know, it it's incredible how controversial. I mean, I feel like it, if this was released today, it would still be controversial, but for different reasons. Oh, um, yeah, you know the interracial relationships um, that you know at the time caused so much controversy. And, um, I, I do think just in so many symbolic ways, this Madonna was just so ahead of her time with this music video. Yeah. And, um, she was so ahead of her time and, you know, a million other ways, but this music video is just one of those defining moments of her career. And, you know, I think probably, sorry, Michael Jackson, but the most iconic music video of all time, and one of fourth the week in a row, <laughs> Michael Jackson slam. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. you know what? It's not intentional. It's not. That's intentional, intentional for me, but yeah, completely <laughs> agree. Yeah, right. Are we ready to confront the behemoth that is the song itself? <laughs> yes, go ahead. So, I think I've made it perfectly clear. But like, aside from like, yes, there's top threes, and there's like peculiarities, and there's like specifics of Madonna's discography that I hold dear and that I love, but this is comfortably my favourite song that's ever been made. Some, mm. like, and I say it, like, some people have Dylan, others have, like, 
loving relationships i have this song i have like mm-hmm. a <laughs> this is my constant this is my northern mm-hmm. star this is my kind of it it always works it always hits it always like um either has some sort of emotional resonance or always kind of makes me feel an emotion and it always just has that like kind of lifting effect the climax the crescendo that kind of euphoria that euphoric kind of lifting to the choir climax mm-hmm. of and that still mixing it with the like very quite futuristic bass like can't be matched not something that is uh i don't know could be consciously recreated it just felt mm-hmm. like a lightning in a bottle moment in time yeah. of like perfection there's nothing i could th- like humanly think of to like improve the song or to make it less important or make it less um special it's just yeah when the apocalypse happens there'll be cockroaches there'll be unrecyclable plastic and then there'll be this song and i'll be very happy for the aliens to discover us and (laughs) if this is all that human civilization has left i think it's what a mark to leave but yeah (laughs) i agree with that i agree with that wow what a statement um (laughs) I, I think beyond um, the musical part of it, this song lyrically um, what is just, you know, the, the music video reinforces it. It's just so complex. Um, you know, she's, Madonna has never quite been, even in the past with, you know, songs like Like a Virgin that you know were provocative mm. or um you know countered specific ideals etc it, it it's just never been done like this before and yeah the way she you know sort of examines and you know pulls apart you know, the, that binary, that, um, I guess religious binary, if you want to call it of, you know, sin versus, versus innocence and, you know, lust versus abstinence or, you know, whatever you want to call it. You know, the, the song is just riddled with innuendos and yeah. she's, she's singing about, you know, God. But she's also singing about, you, it could also be perceived to be, you know, an ode to oral sex. Oh, yeah. And I think the way she, the way she merges those, you know, those two ideas and, you know, confronts her own religion and her own religious upbringing and the sort of, I don't want to say traumas, but, you know, the way it, it has shaped her, but also, you know, the insecurities that she, she might have um you know deep down i know she you, you talked about being um you know the idea of being a sinner and you know you're taught you're you know you're born with sin original um, sin in, in catholicism yeah. um she talked she talks about that a lot with regards to this song and the way she sort of you know confronts you know this duality within her of you know being brought up catholic um you know, not even like being able to criticize your religion, but not being anti-religious in any way, you know, it, having it really shape you, but also having this, these other burning desires within you and sort of 
um, uh, balancing that. It's not mm. as you know clear cut as um, as you know scripture. Not even scripture, but you know. Yeah, evangelists <laughs> wish to believe it is, and she's really just making such a statement with this song, and it's it's so incredibly important for that reason. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. We're just so lucky to have her. I know that sounds like such a base point, but <laughs> no, no, we are, we are. Uh, uh, shall we move on to express yourself? We spent enough time talking about the title. <laughs> I easily have another two hours of like right in me, but yeah, let's for the sake of it, let's move to express yourself. Right. So, Eric, we've used all our tape on like a prayer, so <laughs> please discuss Express Yourself. Well, I think this song, paired with the title track, is just like a fucking one-two punch. Um, This song, to me, is, you know, absolutely incredible as well. Um, I think, sonically, it's one of those songs that are just, you know, in, in every aspect um it's one of those songs that uh, when i'm playing the album in full which i which i always do um it you know when when it comes on as a second track i'm just immediately like like i'm still i'm still up like i'm, I'm not mm. you know <laughs> sitting down again or anything it's like you have like a prayer and then you have express yourself and it's yeah like, this is in go. no way a sophomore slump <laughs> oh no definitely not um known as a song no i um this is just one of those absolutely incredible songs that um mm. y- you know i'm singing along to every single word and i'm screaming the lyrics and it's such also like an, an empowering mm. mm-hmm. um feminist anthem i'd be again remiss to not discuss the music video uh Controversially, David Fincher's finest moment, yes, including Gone Girl, and also the Blonde Ambition opening number, Monocle and Gautier, Breasts included. But it's just, yeah, Mm -hmm. empowering, born this way wishes, absolute barnstormer of a song. (laughs) Gosh. All right, move on before you make uh, people angry. (laughs) Little muscles come get me. Um, Okay, love song next. Prince and Madonna together. Who would ever believe it, Eric? Right. And he also um, was uncredited originally um, as playing guitar on Like a Prayer. Mm. So, right. Am I right And keep that? it together. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it, keep it together, Like a Prayer, and the final track, Act of Contrition. And here he is, 
as a guest vocalist on Love Song? I like it. Mm. Um, oh, is this might be controversial? Maybe. I think <laughs> it's um, not greater than the sum of its parts. Okay. I think Madonna and Prince in 1989 talking about <laughs> a non-committal love song should be so in their wheelhouse, so in their um, so in their like raison d'être that mm. like this seems a bit of a the expectations were so high. How do you ever live up to it? Obviously, yeah, well, it's seductive. Obviously, it's like slinky. Mm. Obviously, it's like. A fun little ride, but I think that's all it is. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, so, I mean, I kind of see what you mean there when you have, like, two... I mean, I don't even... It doesn't even need saying. It's fucking Prince of Madonna. Um, Yeah, when you have two artists like that teaming up for a song like this, I guess the expectations are going to be a bit high. Um, I still love this song. Um, I love... You know, I think it just epitomizes how, you know, she um, stepped outside the box a little bit um, in terms of the production on this album. Because um, it, it, it's a funk song. I mean, um, there's a lot of, you know, funk on this album. And yeah. I, I just think it's, a, I, I don't know, I just think it's a good song. Um, mm-hmm. I see what you mean, though. I think. I love their voices together. I love them playing off each other. And I think, um, but you know, I will say this song is iconic. Um, if, you know, if only for the reason that it gave us the line, time goes by so slowly for those who uh, wait and those who run seem to have all the fun, which she obviously yeah. sampled, you know, herself in hung up spoilers yeah. later on. <laughs> Um, so it's iconic if only for that Um, I I like it I I don't have that much else to say about it so me neither are we ready for Till Death Do Us Part yes let's jump in I guess a, this the song True Blue kind of aged like milk, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. <With> this song. <laughs> I still love that song, but I mean, you know, this is the this is the hangover. And I think we made reference to it last week, but it's inescapable to like talk about the context of like a prayer and the context of this song of um without the Abuse allegations against Sean Penn and the um, kind of police reports that came out of that fated night between Madonna and Sean Penn that night. And the, yeah, and obviously their relationships um, developed since then. And Madonna's came out and said various things about Sean Penn, but the context in which this was made is very much in the shadow of that. Yeah. And I think, um, regardless of, yeah, the kind of progression of that, I think it's as sad as it is inescapable 
to remove yourself from that view when listening to this song because it's unspeakably dark, the lyrical content of this. Mm. Um, and especially the fact that it was exclusively written by Madonna. And I think it's intentionally jarring the lyrical content versus the like, um, almost like repulsive beats in the song itself. Um, yeah. It's daunting, it's sad, and it's um, almost threatening in its, yeah. like, manner. And it's, it's like, like you said, you wouldn't really, you know, unless you were, you were pro- like, listening to the lyrics, if, if you played this song, or if you just mindlessly turned on the radio and it was on, um, it sounds like a cheery song. Yeah. Doesn't it? And Yeah. Um, that juxtaposition between, you know, those, you know, the, the painful lyrics and the production on this song is a highlight, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it goes without saying that Till Death to His Part has never been performed live. Um, but yeah. <sighs> um, so from, <laughs> incredibly sad to even sadder shall we move to promise to try <laughs> yes god little girl don't run away so fast think you forgot to kiss kiss a goodbye <sighs> wow what a um what a sad Sad, 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 so. Um, I think um, the best way, or the most, the best way to consume this song while understanding the context of it is through the Truth or Dare film. Yeah. Where she is walking through the graveyard and dropping off flowers at her mother's graveside to this song. Um, I think it discusses like the weight of expectations of parents versus the kind of unrealistic and misremembered views of said dead said dead parent yeah. it's yeah it's heart-wrenching and i think when we discussed um this album being the more mature side of madonna and her finally opening up without that wink without that kind of ultra produced very controlled balladeering it's mm-hmm. this song and it's in epitome it's yeah and apart from that the just vocal delivery of the song is beautiful and it's yeah. Yeah. This song is an absolute tearjerker for me. I get chills whenever I hear it and I can't listen to it that much because of that. Mm. Um, it's made me cry a few times, <laughs> definitely. Um, and it sort of also epitomizes the concept of family that is inherent throughout this record. Um, which is, you know, why I would go on to, um, counter argue your point about this being a divorce album. I think it definitely was inspired, mm-hmm. you know, in great part about the divorce, but I also think that family just runs. Yeah. I think in Madonna's confronting so much in her past and her past traumas on this album that it's so multidimensional in that sense. And you can't really categorize it as one thing but anyways um yeah this album to me is such a beautiful piano ballad and it's up to now madonna hadn't really given us anything like it um yeah and i love it for that 
and it's added to the great pantheon of um, songs Madonna wrote about her mother, which we'll see much, <laughs> much more of, interestingly, oh, yeah. as she kind of becomes much, much more open as the albums progress. Yeah. Um, you'd never, ever see a song like this on like Madonna or Like a Virgin, but understandably mm-hmm. so. From one side of the coin to the other, shall we dive straight into Cherish? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shock you sure i unashamedly and absolutely love cherish um i don't really know how to respond to that because (laughs) (laughs) no i actually i actually really like this song i don't know why that that would be so shocking because well um i've let my emotions be known before about like sickly sweet madonna um yeah are like uh, emotionally because uh, it it never rang true to me, and yeah. you know how much I love the uh, Rebel Heart to a version of True Blue, but I think that's for mm-hmm. a completely different context. The other kind of I'm so in love, this is nice, and I'm going to sing a very very simple love song about it. It's yeah. never been like this isn't you, this isn't Madonna, this isn't the reason why I'm listening to you, but this seems one so sincere. And two, just generally outside the context of Madonna, just like a perfect, like, little ditty love song (laughs) that I can't not (laughs) forgive it for its, like, ultra-sweet aims. Um, And I think it's interesting once she perfected (laughs) Mm -hmm. that uh, song in that form, she never went down that kind of audio or lyrical (laughs) trend again. Yeah. You once you've had the best, why do it? <laughs> Another end. It's so interesting to me and ironic in a way how this song is on this album. Um, just for how lovey dovey it is, um, when you compare it to Till Death Do Us Part and mm. you know how sardonic and how um painful mm. that song mm. is to listen to and then you have this you know the side b of the album begins with cherish and you've just come you know off of a string of brutally sad heart-wrenching songs and now you have this like yeah like you said sweet um you know cheery just kind of love song and it's like, where did this come from? It kind of just like came out of nowhere. I thought you were, um, I thought, I thought you were, you know, it's it's placing on the track list must've been intentional though. Right. It's no, definitely. But that's why, um, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying it's, it's such a palate cleanser in a way. And it, it has its place on the album and it's, um, I love it for that. I think it, um, it really adds something, but it is, mm, I'm mm. calling out the irony in it. As we transition into Dear Jesse, I think it's a conscious decision 
to feel that emotion as opposed to it being kind of a foolhardy version of the um I will lie down on the road for you sort of thing. It's a um I will feel this way because I want to feel this way and it was a way of kind of healing yeah. uh, after the heavy toll of till death to his part and promise to try. Yeah. Um and I think similar emotions lie in dear Jesse if we're ready to Dive straight in. Let's dive in. Like a fountain of gold, you can never grow old where dreams are made. Your love parade. Like big elephants in lemonade. Hear Jesse hear the laughter running through the love parade. Many kisses and a sunny day. Hear Jesse see the roses raining on the love parade. A frequent, um, visitor to both our top threes and oh, i think yeah. that'd be the shock <laughs> everyone knows how i feel about this song i think and it's just like it's it's so funny because i think if i played this song for like you know, a random person who wasn't familiar with madonna mm. i think they would kind of be like at first what? they'd be like what <laughs> <laughs> like is this a children's song like it's a lullaby and it but it's so it's so earwormy and it's so cute and it's so beautiful and it's mm. it's so it's just so beautifully written and so beautifully sung and the string arrangements like it's just it's the most adult sounding you know children's lullaby if you want to call it that yeah I, like ever made and it um it's absolutely indispensable in my opinion oh absolutely um so I should say Pat Leonard wrote for his daughter after um, he was also going through a divorce and Madonna agreed to sing it as she took a liking to Dear Jesse. Um, and I think maybe I'm reading too into this and maybe I did <laughs> a queer history master's degree about Madonna. But um, I think there is a queer reading of it and I think... <laughs> I can hear Eric's eye rolling from <laughs> another no, 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 continent. Keep going. Of, uh, especially amidst the AIDS pandemic, of her saying she will be there, saying everything will be better, saying um, letting kind of her predominantly gay audience at that time, which she understood and appreciated and loved, of that kind of like fantasy moment. And I think it, again, talking about the sequencing of the album, the transition from that to Oh Father is such a, like, gut punch. Yeah. 100%. So that probably fares better in the Oh Father discussion, eh? Yeah. Wow, okay, just when we thought we were safe, we're back into the emotional devastation. <laughs> I don't even know if, like, like what do I say? I feel like I'm just, like, my brain is just, like, 
so tired of all the like heavy <laughs> the heavy emotions that are being conjured <laughs> up by this album. I'm just gonna say, yeah, first of all, that transition, um like the literal transition <laughs> mm. in terms of the sequencing from Dear Jesse to O Father is um brilliant. Mm. Um but uh this song uh is kind of um to me uh parallels like a prayer in a way um because okay. of that duality in terms of um oh father being sort of a religious innuendo to god but then also her confronting her own relationship with her actual dad but i i think her performance on the song is incredible i think it's interesting that she mixed it with live to tell on the blonde ambition tour mm. because i think they are kind of spiritual sisters of her yeah. coming to terms with different types of trauma mm-hmm. and both have absolutely unbelievable vocal takes and i think this is the culmination i've been saying for like wow a month now <laughs> of mm. no she doesn't have the best voice but she has <laughs> the most expressive voice she has yeah. the best pop voice she has everything that the songs ask for her and more. Yeah. And that's, that's why she's here. And that's why she's at the top. Yeah. Um, I keep like eulogizing Madonna in this album. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> this album means a lot to me. But Shall we wait. move on to keep it together? Okay. <laughs> well, I try and keep it together. <laughs> Ah, uh, the funky keep it together. The iconic, iconic finale to the Blonde Ambition Tour. But not oh. this album. No. Um, <laughs> we're not over yet, kids. No we're not over yet. We still got two more to go after this one. Uh, this, yeah, I mean, this, this song definitely, you know, like I've said a million times, family, um, yada, yada, yada. I like this song. Um, it's, it's not my favorite on the album. I, I was think say it's probably my least favorite of like a prayer. If I have to be like brutal, yeah, it is a. It's still a good song, and oh yeah, it's, I, it's I, on like a prayer. Let's not kid us. Oh, of course, and I like its rendition um, on the Blonde Ambition tour. I like that she ends with um, that she ends off that tour with that song. Mm. Um, I think it's quite fitting. It clearly means something to her. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, but as a song itself, it it might be one of the weakest, the weakest. Sorry, yeah, one of the weakest links. Um, but then again, there are really no weak links on this album. Oh so. yeah, it's like who's the least fast Olympic runner we're talking mm-hmm. about here? Exactly. Um, can I shock you? I have a queer reading of this song. <laughs> oh, another one. All right, <laughs> hit me with it. <laughs> I've paid five grand for this master's degree, and I will use it. Um, <laughs> I just think she's also talking about like the necessity of lol I roll yeah because it's just a used RuPaul Drag Race quote now but of how like queer people choose their family too mm. and especially how like um, Christopher Shikone her brother wrote that song uh, wrote that book uh, My Sister Madonna which mm. audience if you're interested do not read it's like one of the worst books I've ever read um, 
But yeah, I think it it's existed. well. It's it's obviously you learn nothing from it. Anyway, that's another story for another time. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of queer people would have found like solace in its lyrics at that moment in time. Again, within that like moment of cultural mass gay panic, but also yeah. the the specific um, anxieties of the. Um, pandemic itself. You are completely, completely correct. Thank you. <laughs> Let's join hands and pray for Spanish eyes, eh? This song... Um, I mean, I think they all merit a queer reading, but I think this mm. song, especially because of the fact that it, you know, it was 1989, released, you know, in the middle of, yeah, at the height of the AIDS epidemic. And um, you keep saying pandemic, I'm saying epidemic. I don't really know the actual difference. Sorry if I'm not getting that correctly, but anyways. Um, and it's one of the earliest songs where Madonna actually eulogizes her friends who have suffered or passed away um, from that terrible, terrible disease. Um, And, you know, obviously our next episode is erotica, which I'm very excited about. And, Mm. you know, we're going to talk about this a bit more in that context. Oh, in this life. (laughs) But I think this song was so even though it wasn't a big single or a big hit or anything, it's such a monumental moment because when you have the president of the United States waiting a full decade to even say the word AIDS hmm. and hmm. no one in the public eye is brave enough to talk about it. Absolutely. And Madonna is sort of taking the reins on that one and being like, listen, we're all just human and I'm getting a bit emotional, but it's it's mm. one of the most important moments I think in her career. Yeah. Um, but for not not for reasons personal to her, but you know, things bigger than any one of us, and mm. um, it's just such a moving tribute, and you know, paired with the educational um pamphlet if you want to call it that that came with the the album in its original pressings on aids uh yeah. it it is so so important and nobody was talking about it at the time but madonna was i think you uh summarized that perfectly i have nothing else to say thank you shall we move to an act of contrition Oof, I'm excited for this. Eric, can I um, impress you? Right. 
I was a good altar boy as a child, and I learned the act of contrition off by heart. No, you weren't. <coughs> don't, mean to hit, don't mean to hit you with it. And we don't have time, but you can hit me with it after. <coughs> I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, I maybe controversially love this song, if you even mm. want to call it that. Yeah. I know. What are your thoughts? No, I absolutely, 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 absolutely love it. Okay, um, I think it's just absolutely <laughs> back to me, but I think it's just absolutely brilliant. Is it not? Mm. It's it's the most brilliant coda. Okay, maybe the last couple lines are a bit awkward, but is that not you know intentional? I think. Oh, I don't find that awkward at all. It's I think that's like most, one of the high pieces. <laughs> okay, me too. I think it's the most brilliant coda. I think I'm just getting defensive about it because, like, oh, like <laughs> no one time somebody was it. no, because I think one time somebody was like, I forget who, but the, I don't know. They were just bashing this track, and I was like, I was like, I don't know, like a prayer as an album is not complete to me without acts of contrition. It it just mm. like brings the whole album round circle. I mean, it first of all, Prince's guitar playing. Yet again, Oof. epic, epic closer. Um, you know the the tape playing in reverse of um, the re- a recording of like a prayer. Uh, just the humor involved, and just listening to Madonna recite the actual act of contrition above Prince's guitar playing. I, like, are you kidding me? Are you fucking yeah. kidding me? <laughs> like, this is a fucking brilliant moment in music in general. Anyway, I'm just, I digress. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I also think it, like, stands testament to what I was, like, trying to explain last week, but I edited it out because it made no sense, of, um, like, the formation of, like, weird Madonna or, like, the formation of, mm. like unique production choices of Madonna. And I don't think it was... There's a tendency in some, like, music criticism to bestow the good things about Madonna, about the specific producers she's working with at that time. So when, like, weird Madonna was at her, like, cultural zeitgeist in terms of, like, American life, music, etc., there had a tendency to um, bestow that upon Merway. And or like William Orbit, but I think yeah, this stands to a testament, lol, <laughs> that <laughs> it was always inside of her, and she always had those instincts to go that left field, and she always had those uh-huh. those instincts to kind of perplex and uh, confuse audiences, which mm-hmm. is the reason I'm still here, and the reason I'm like doggedly stunning her, and yeah, cannot stop talking about her, <laughs> yeah, and- <laughs> even when people beg me to stop. <laughs> And the song even um, reaffirms the fact in a way that this is like McDonald's first, you know, proper front to back cohesive work of art. Because mm. this isn't, you know, a, really a song in itself. It's it's kind of a coda to the whole album, an interlude of sorts. And, you know, it, it would be completely out of place on her pr- previous albums. Yeah. Absolutely. Imagine yeah. something like a virgin. We've improved <laughs> it somewhere, but anyway. Eric, I want to know what the critics are saying. Tell me right now. So, <laughs> critics have said a lot. 
Um, <laughs> but I'll try, I'll I'll try to keep, um, keep it limited. For Rolling Stone, J.D. Considine originally wrote that Like a Prayer was asking to be, uh, saw Madonna asking to be taken seriously, um, wrote that it was daring in its lyrics, ambitious in its sonics, and and far and away the most self-consciously serious album she's ever made. Also, very crucially stated, I think, that mm. Like a Prayer was as close to art as pop music gets, uh. and made her one of the most compelling voices of the 80s. Which... Well, I'm not going to argue with that, am I? <laughs> I, I think it's just inarguable. Um, Nicholas, also... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> One last note, because um, I have to bring this up. Uh, Taylor Swift <laughs> explained that with Like a Prayer, Madonna made the most incredible, bold, risky uh, decisions as far as pop music goes, setting the title track as legitimately one of the greatest pop songs of all time and going on well, to inspire, you... in part, her own 1989. What do you look at that? Eh? I know. So, Eric, final thoughts, if you can even put it into words um i don't know if i can i think i'm all dried up <laughs> honestly think, yeah same same this, <laughs> um we're 15 minutes longer than we usually are we're <laughs> emotionally devastated we are um but i think the only thing i want to say is this is the epoch of pop music i'd say this is mm-hmm. What everyone should be striving for. This is the A standard. This is the God level of pop music. This is everything and more. This is at the risk of like being like overly repetitive and you overly using a rhetoric device, but it's what, what cultural like behemoth needed to do to put them into kind of a layer of like iconic level that no one else has reached. Mm-hmm. I don't think uh, there's any artist alive today who has released a like of prayer aside from Madonna herself again. I don't think there's an artist alive today who has reached the um, cultural prominence which like a prayer put Madonna herself mm-hmm. into. And I don't think any artist alive today had the kind of cultural wherewithal to understand the controversy they were getting themselves into and uh, intentionally inviting themselves into it because of mm-hmm. it. That's um, that's quite interesting. I think, um, you know, I would definitely argue that, that so many artists and pop artists specifically have had like a prayer-esque moments. Um, but I think because of the fact that um, Madonna was by definition, so revolutionary. And, um, yeah, yeah, I, uh, I think I, I do agree with you on that. So, yeah, so maybe a lot of my thinking has been tempered by Madonna being the first person to do it, but wow, what, I, <laughs> what yeah. a way to smash open the door. <laughs> I think so, but isn't that the definition of being a revolutionary? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Eric, I think we've reached the end of Light of Prayer. Wow. Um, what a ride this has been. Um, I'm honestly extremely excited to get to the Ray of Light episode 
Um, now, only for the fact that I think a lot of people go um, head-to-head over those two albums being considered her magnum opus of sorts. And um, mm. I think it'd be... I think it's going to be very interesting when we get to that week to sort of compare thoughts on this yeah. album to that. Um, so I am looking forward to that. But I'm also extremely looking forward to oh. next week. Recorded we over Christmas week. I hope everyone... Woo! <laughs> Erotic. Erotic. Right. Well, um, Nicholas... It's been a pleasure as always. It's been a pleasure. Time differences be damned. Um, do you have anything to plug? Um, you can check out my website, culture, C U L T C H U R dot com. And you've uh, just uh, published your top albums of the year, I believe. I have know? my top 10 albums of uh, 2020. Um, also, Evermore. Hello. Okay, mm. I'm done talking about Taylor Swift. Uh, have a good night, Nicholas. You too. Uh, follow at <laughs> uh, True Review Pod on Instagram. Yeah, um, do that too. Like, yeah. subscribe. Like, Share. subscribe. Five stars. Lovely. Okay, ready? After three, let's both play stop. Okay. One, One, two, two three. Three.